What is going on? My name is Taylor, and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you are. Y'all, what is going on? Literally three days from you hearing me talk right now, I'm getting on a damn airplane for the first time since December of 2019. How? What? Why? Well, I am vaccinated and my family is all vaccinated and we have not seen each other all together since... I'm pretty sure December of, or September, September of 2019. That's when I saw all of them together last. So, though I'm scared and I might be the only one in my family who is, we're all, again, we're all vaccinated. It's fine. I know it'll be okay. I know I have a lot of anxiety about things, all the things. But yeah, it's time, y'all. It is time to reunite. And I'm excited to do it. It's just an overload, you know? What I mean? Planes, Ubers, theme parks, not Disney, not ready for that yet. Don't even get me started. But I am going to Universal Studios and Islands Adventure with my giant ass party of 17 family. I have to say the thing I am the most excited for, packing. Woo, woo, woo. I know I'm lame. I'm so lame. But I love Love, 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 love to pack. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on here before, but I just truly love it so much. And I've upped my packing game with some new packing cubes. <sighs> so lovely. So organized. So excited for it. Um, best ever. I, I'm so glad that I found out about them. Miranda from episode 12 of season three. Magical Miranda was the one that told me about them. Um, I can't wait to start packing. And spoiler alert, I've already started packing. I started packing over a week ago because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> anyway, enough about me and my weird family and my weird affinity for packing. I'll tell you all about the trip when we get to episode six. But we're at episode five right now. And before we kick off episode five, I want to give a shout out, a few shout outs to more of our amazing, wonderful, magical Indiegogo contributors, those lovely individuals from all over who are making this season possible and have helped launch Who Knows into its bright new future. They are amazing. And this week, I want to give a shout out to Olivia L. and Liv M., Chris C., Maria W., and Alice P. Thank you all so much for your amazing contributions to the amazing new life that's being created for Who Knows. I would not be here without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is time for our topic breakdown, where we hear from the mind of a mental health professional about the subject of this week's episode. To fully understand the emotions behind any subject, I think it's important to consult the professionals. While conversations like the ones on our show are valuable and important in so many ways, to gain the best insight on mental health therapists are here to help. Therapists rock the world, and they're here to help us out, and we've got a great one. 
the topic for this episode, male mental health. I know, what the hell could we possibly want to hear from a man at this point in time? Both Jessica and I were so conflicted on this topic. We were both so ready to just write it off, but that's why we need to have this conversation. This is a hard conversation, and that's why we want to start it. I have personally experienced so many moments of my life where men are neglecting their mental health, not knowing how to have a productive conversation about their emotions, or just being allowed to rage in a way that is dangerous to those around them, and they have no consequences for their actions. Simply put, men seem to be able to just do whatever the hell they want when it comes to their feelings, and they don't get challenged for it. But during the pandemic, I got a look at the fact that there are men who are having mental health challenges and they're suffering in silence. And I'm sad to say I've lived with a man for six years and had no idea until this year that there were actually so many signs that he wasn't doing well and I wasn't paying attention to them. I can think back to many many, many times in my younger life where I've seen only negative examples of male expression of emotions. And I think about it more and more. And I feel like because men are written off all of the time because of their privilege, the privilege that they have from being a man, which is still very real and not to go undiscussed. Like that's very, very important. Uh, but we forget to consider them in the conversation about mental health. And I believe there's value in starting this conversation, normalizing asking men if they're okay, giving them the real space to talk and sort out how they're feeling, normalizing not being okay with the destructive behavior that they seem to get a pass for. Um, You know, even as I'm talking about this, I still feel really conflicted. There's still so much to talk about. But I think about my men in my life that I love very much, my friends, my nephews, my partner, my father, men who deserve to have the door open for them to take care of their minds and to be shown the value in doing so. Maybe not all of them will listen, maybe not all of them will care, but for the ones who are suffering or looking for help, this conversation is worth starting. So without any more delay, I would like to hand the mic over to the amazing Jessica Sheriff, our resident mental health consultant and an amazing therapist, to help us break down the topic of male mental health. Hey everyone. So as Taylor already mentioned, male mental health is such a massive and dense topic. We'll probably just be scratching the surface, but I've really done my best to break down what I think are some of the most important points within male mental health to mention. The first point I want to make is considering the fact that we are living in a systemically oppressive patriarchal society, a man's race, socioeconomic status, gender identity, sexual orientation, level of education, citizenship status, etc., are all going to shape the way that they experience mental health and how accessible mental health care even is for them. I'll start off with addressing mental health for men of the dominant culture, so cis, white, heterosexual men, in relation to male privilege, masculine norms, and socialization. One of the many evils that play out in male privilege is mental health stigma. Societal expectations and traditional gender norms play a huge role in why men are less likely to discuss or seek help for their mental health problems. 
According to a poll of 21,000 American men by researchers at the National Center for Health Statistics, nearly one in 10 men reported experiencing some form of depression or anxiety, but less than half sought treatment. According to the National Center for Injury Prevention and Control, suicide is 3.6 times greater among men compared to women and is the second leading cause of death for males aged 10 to 34 years old. With so few men reaching out for help or support and instead suffering in silence, this may be one reason why men face a higher suicide rate. Men are almost two times more likely to binge drink than women and consistently have higher rates of alcohol-related deaths and hospitalizations. Men report higher rates of anger, aggression, substance abuse, and risk-taking compared to women, which may be male-specific symptoms of depression that go unrecognized as such. Men of younger age, men of color, and those with lower socioeconomic status are even less likely to seek mental health services and receive treatment when needed. Moving on to men who are systemically oppressed, we have to look at their mental health in relation to marginalization. So the more intersectionalities of a man's identity, the greater barriers towards mental health. I think that stigma, masculine norms, and socialization may still play a role in their mental health, depending on the lived experience and identities each man holds. However, there are three other barriers that I specifically want to touch on that are responsible for the stark difference in the conversations we have about mental health in men who benefit from male privilege versus mental health in men who are systemically oppressed. The first barrier is access. The disparities in affordable primary and mental health care combined with the history of trauma from marginalized groups in the medical system severely impacts access to mental health care. Therefore, support for mental health services such as referrals, some basic psychoeducation, possible medication, and screening for mental illness are much more difficult for men who are marginalized to receive. The second barrier is minority stress. Minority stress refers to the additional stress that members of marginalized groups experience because of the prejudice and discrimination they face. It is a unique form of stress, chronic and socially based, being that there is no escaping racism, homophobia, and transphobia. So a lot of times before anyone who is marginalized, but in this case specifically men, get to the point of breaking down the barrier of access to mental health services, there is an aspect of survival that makes mental health awareness and prioritization more difficult. For instance, the way that Black, cis, and trans bodies are targeted results in hypervigilance and the feeling of constantly having to protect oneself, again, impacting their ability to consider anything other than meeting their basic needs and their immediate safety. The third barrier is competence, diversity, and inclusivity in clinicians and mental health services at large. Seeking therapy can actually be a traumatic experience for marginalized individuals, being that they may not receive culturally competent gender and sexual identity affirming care. And we already know that vulnerability combined with rejection results in greater trauma. I want to wrap up by acknowledging that although the lack of conversation and involvement of male experiences within mental health is a problem of society at large, it also needs to be addressed on a smaller scale in our own households with our own fathers, brothers, and sons. Every point that Jessica makes in that breakdown 
is so important and so valuable and must not go unconsidered. I really want to just give her a whole episode with all the research that I know that she did because it's just so valuable. Thank you so much, Jessica. This is just a small example of what an opportunity to speak with a therapist might be like. If you feel like you might benefit from talking to a mental health professional, don't be afraid to seek one out. They have dedicated their lives to helping you live yours in the best way possible. And I always say that there's a therapist out there for you. And Jessica actually made me realize that I need to be putting some resources in the show notes for marginalized groups to find therapists that are specifically able to help them. So I'm going to do that because she's right. There needs to be, you need to be finding a therapist that's right for you on who you are. And as always, huge thank you to Jessica for breaking it down for us. She's constantly giving new information. She is the best in so many ways. And I'm so lucky to have her on this team. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at Jessica Sheriff. I'll have all that linked in the show notes, along with resources to find a therapist for anyone who is looking for one. Alrighty then. So who do we hang out with this week? What man are we talking to is the question. The man we are talking to is the one and truly the only Cody T. A man of mystery while also being an open book. A person with many layers and talents. A hard seltzer sommelier, if you will. And an all-around fun, funny, creative, and multi-talented guy. He's from Florida, originally Palm Beach, now in Orlando, and is an individual who puts his passion and heart into every single thing he touches. He creates music performing under the name Cody T and has actually begun to come out with some new music this month and has been writing and performing for many years. He's also the owner of The Lost Bros, which creates fun and stylish theme park and pop culture inspired apparel, accessories, home decor, you name it, they have made it and it is awesome and filled with magic. They have so much of my money and I'm not even mad about it. Like if you've seen me on Instagram stories Chances are I'm wearing a Lost Bro shirt. Uh, Cody stops at nothing to follow his dreams while also finding the time to take care of himself. He makes knowledge and creativity as much of a priority as self-care, and he encourages so many others to do the same. He shares so much of his personal and emotional and career journey in a way that is so generous, candid, and relatable. Today, Cody is sharing a little bit of insight into how he found the importance of taking care of your mental health, how he brings that importance into his business and what it's been like for him to move through the world as what I believe is a rare breed, a man who actually wants to talk about his feelings. He takes the time to acknowledge his privilege, endorses the importance of having conversations about mental health, and promotes simply giving a shit, which is a lost art now that I think about it. Like I've said, this conversation is just scratching the surface, that one little fleck on the iceberg but I feel like it's a really great start. So here's Cody and I talking about male mental health. Cody, I'm so excited to talk to you because 
I don't want to like say like a overgeneralization, but I'm pretty sure that you're one of the few men that I'm like, hey, let's talk about our feelings. And you're like, let's go. That sounds exciting to me because I live with a man who can barely talk about anything. So I'm so excited that you want to talk about your feelings with me. <laughs> yes, I do not mind it at all. I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about my feelings. Yeah. So on that note, where does your story begin with discovering the importance of taking care of your mental health? I feel like you talk about it so much on Instagram that like there was always like a moment or there was like a time where you weren't taking care of your mental health as much. Was there a shift that happened? Just take me through the story starting from the beginning. When did it all click? Yeah, so I don't ever think I really realized it, but I get so, you know, hindsight's like 2020. I guess, you know, from when I was maybe like 17 or so, I moved out of my parents' house really young. I was like maybe 16 because I was doing music really early on. And I never realized how good I was at taking care of myself until I wasn't good at it. So from like 16 to like, honestly, man, in 2019, that was two years ago now right yeah we're in 2021 i'm 29 so until i was 27 like or i guess before lost risk so maybe till i was 25 24 i was really like balanced and knew how to take care of things until i started this company the lost bros and you know one thing that no one tells you when you're starting a business is how to take care of yourself and like how important balance is and everyone's so quick to tell you like how hard you have to hustle and it's like you gotta like die for it and dedicate your life all the hustlers happen to leave out the balance and really like making sure that you got gas in the tank so i started lost rose in 2016 while i was still doing some music uh 2017 it was still kind of light but by the end of the year i ended up quitting my job and going full-time because we were doing it pretty hard we're like a little startup t-shirt company with this kind of weird partition of like we're half a t-shirt company half instagram influencers and the influencer side of things really pushes the store side of the things and then the store side of things funds us being influencers and being able to do like all this crazy stuff at disney and universal right off the bat like i wasn't even just starting a business i was also like really dedicating like my emotions and a lot of my brain to like the climb of social media which in and of itself is like a very dominating thing to try and put your brain through if you're not really wise about it it's very easy to put like a lot of your self-worth and like all that other stuff into like the instagram and luckily like that never was really a problem for me because i don't really care about that part of it for me it was always like the store i was really signing up for a pretty intense ride so i started that in 2016 2017 it got serious and then in 2019, I pretty much had like a full on like collapse. So me and my girlfriend who I had been dating like really seriously for a long time broke up. You know, we were both in pretty bad places, I think, mentally from the business. And, you know, we had, you know, a lot of things go on in our own lives that just like really took it out of us. And like, you know, a lot of my issues leading up to that were like I had put so much into our business and into like what was my dream and like just I just had the adopted mentality that like I will die for this I will put 80 hours a week into this you know like I'm gonna change the world by sheer force 
and you know it, it works for a while like i was young like i had the body to do it like i had the mind to do it but over time like all that stuff erodes and you burn out and you're running out of gas had a lot of bad habits like you know like i don't smoke cigarettes anymore but like i partied and had a really good time but like almost to balance out the chaos of the business side of my life and it just became this like perpetual cycle of like burning out you know socially too i put myself in a position at work to really be like uh you know, if you if you lived here and you were closer to the business, there's also like a very social side of it. I had like, without really realizing it, had been so signed up for all these like obligations. There's always people coming into town that want to see you. There's always like something that someone wants you to go to. There's always like a vendor that we work with that wants us to come in and do something. And then we're at the parks and then we're trying to work at the parks, but we're running into like 20, 30 people a day who want to like, you know, see us and say hi. But then some of them want to like actually try and spend time with us while we're trying to like just get our work done. And, you know, it was really like all of that was just this like as chaotic as it sounded and like as messy as it was to explain it, that was like as messy as the buildup was in real time. And, you know, that all compounded over a couple of years until finally, like I went through this breakup and I was like, I need to go to therapy, which was something that like I never cared about at all. I, not that I didn't care about it. It wasn't something that like was ever stigmatized to me because when I was in college, I wrote about therapy. I had never been, but it was like just this assignment that I had. And it was like I had to talk about like the stigma of therapy's effect on our culture as a whole. And so to me, like therapy never mattered. But I was like poor forever, like growing up, like I didn't have money growing up. And I moved out when I was 16. And even before Lost Bros, I was doing music and working in restaurants. So I never had like the disposable income to go to therapy, which is like a whole other conversation that I could talk about for like a zillion hours. I have plans to, you know, work on with this other thing, Therapy Live, that I do. You know, I realized then I was like, I have so much on my plate. I'm so overcommitted. I knew exactly what had happened. Like I knew that everything had built up, a tidal wave crashed over me and just flung me across the city. And so that was it. I knew I had to go to therapy and like everything changed from that moment. Within a week or two after that breakup of like processing and like, you know, just kind of breathing it out and like really taking an inventory on, you know, okay, where am I actually in my life? What am I actually doing? Like for the first time I was like, alone in my house like who am I and what am I doing that is where it begins it's kind of crazy how you know as a small business owner myself in a different way I am like starting to see how you know there is this kind of picture when you're doing something that the people who see you doing it are like oh they're having so much fun like especially you guys like you're going to Disney every day like how could they not be having the greatest time of their life but the reality of the situation is like that's a business and it takes a lot of effort in every single way to do it. And I really appreciate you offering the transparency of the fact that even if you're doing something that you love, not only can you burn out, but you can do it without realizing it. Like you can just keep going and keep having fun and that people are not talking about the fact that you will burn out if you keep hustling and hustling and hustling that way. Like they only talk about like, you've got to work hard. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I do this show is because of the fact that 
they're so often that we're only seeing the end goal. You know, people go to the Lost Bros Instagram or they go to your music and they see, and this is me now, but like not many people are bringing mental health into the conversation and realizing that like, yeah, I worked really hard for this, but like here's when I was like not doing well or here's when it was really difficult. And like, it's refreshing as a person that like is working on a small business myself to hear that that's a reality that you went through yeah it's definitely something that like i'm lucky that i work with a couple people like between me my brother and lex we all go to therapy it's not weird for any of us but like we really came into a space that no one talks about anything that isn't dole whips and like i go to disney every day and like i'm so happy like please believe i'm happy you know we've seen so many people who'll just be like hey, yeah, like I've actually been like massively depressed for six months and I hate doing this Instagram and I'm actually going to delete it and go do something totally different that's more authentic to me. You know, we look at that and it's like a pretty significant bummer that like anyone goes through that. So much of that derives from like the pressures of social media, which is something for us that like, you know, luckily we've always had a business backing us. You know, we're not like influencers trying to make it as influencers. If we never influenced again, it wouldn't matter because we have this store. But like the more and more we saw that, the more and more we were like, it's such a blessing that we like intuitively never thought to not talk about that stuff. Because when you like show the whole picture you can't burn out from being yourself. Our whole thing is like, we just don't pretend. If something's not good, we just are pretty open about it. I would say in Lost Bros, like no one's really had any significant issues. So there's not been a lot to say, but like, you know, I would say before that, in the four years before that, we were always just like, if something's wrong or something we see going on is not right, or like, we're not feeling right about something, like just get on there and say it because we can't ever get exhausted of just being ourselves. And so I think that's like hopefully setting a good example again in a space where like, I don't know what it is about this particular social media circle slash like community that we run in, but like for years, like no one ever wanted to talk about stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, it comes with the territory of quote unquote, the magic of Disney and also just the magic for lack of a better word, that social media disguises itself as. I feel as though, you know, it's coming to light a little bit more often. There are more people in the social media space that are bringing up mental health and driving home the importance of it. It is still sometimes few and far between that there are people that are willing to be open about that. For me, it's just so like, I never thought about doing it a different way, I guess. I think back to like when I was doing music and it was like my best friend ever. Like I love him. But at the time, Twitter wasn't really Twitter because it was 2015, I guess. And he would be like, you are the king of oversharing on the internet. And I would just be like, I don't think so. Like, I think this is what it's supposed to be. So like for my Instagram captions, I always write just these long like journal posts almost. Honestly, just because like, otherwise I don't think I would use it. I don't really like enjoy, not that I don't enjoy posting on social media, but it like has such little value in my life that it's just not really something I like think to do. You know, obviously Lost Bros has had a social media manager for a long time. So it was like the Instagram was never very hands-on for me. I don't know. Like for me, there's like a lot of philosophy behind it too about like speak when it's important. It's like a part of the philosophy I study. 
So, yeah, I mean, in that same, all those principles, like, made their way over to Lost Bros. It was just like, I write long captions. I always just kind of say what I'm feeling. And bringing it over to the business is nice. It's cool because when we talk about mental health, for me, the metrics of success are a lot different. Like, it's not so much like how many shirts are we selling? And it's not like how many likes are we getting or how many people are watching this part of our content. The metric of success for us, and I always try and find a way to gauge it, is like, are we making a difference? So like with Therapy Live, my whole thing was like, I'm not going to sell t-shirts for this until it's over because the metric of success will not be how much money came in. Like I posted a story after that was like, if you came to Therapy Live and you're actually going to therapy, please tell me. If you were on the fence and now you're seriously looking into it, please tell me. And if you had never thought about therapy, but at least now it's on your radar, please tell me. Basically, I had told myself, you know, a lot of like the self-worth and like work stuff. I have to be really intentional about this stuff. And so for me, it was like, I will not let myself decide how successful this event was based on how many people are in it or whatever. It will have to be on the impact. And so, you know, there is a, I would say a pretty significant amount of people who went, which is nice, but like even better, which I think made the event successful for me was that, you know, there was probably like 10 to 15 people who were like, I'm going to therapy this week because of you. And then there was even more people who were like, I am doing phone consults with different therapists to find my dream therapist. And then there was an immense amount of people who were like, I literally knew nothing about therapy before today. And now like one, it doesn't seem intimidating Two, it doesn't seem like this taboo thing that only happens in movies or to athletes who are trying to like rehab their cheating scandals. And like, to me, that was so powerful. And, you know, so it's the same thing with the Lost Bros. When we did Mental Health Week that week, we did it. It was like one metric was like, you know, how much money can we raise for Zebra Coalition, which is a local org here in Orlando that actually, among the many cool things they do, like provide housing for LGBTQ plus youth in our city, is they have multiple therapists on salary who do free counseling for teens and their families who are like struggling with all sorts of things, coming to terms with their sexuality, parents coming to terms with their sexuality or, you know, gender and stuff like that. But the biggest metric of that mental health week was what are we going to hear back from people about what this week was for them? Because obviously we do Disney a lot. We do stuff like that. But this whole week was like me and Lex going through our morning routines, like a Q&A where I was very candid about everything, you know, that goes on in my head. For us, it was very successful, not because like the t-shirt sold, but because we heard from so many people who were just like, no one ever talks about this. Thank you for making this something that like I feel less weird talking about. We get so many questions about like our morning journals and routines and people who are like, I'm trying to develop a routine in the morning for my mental health and either this helps so much or can you help me? And like, you know, the amount of that that we get is like super, super cool and makes that successful for us. That's literally amazing that you shared all of that. And I think... One of the things, first of all, that is surprising to me, sometimes in my, you know, moments of doubt, I'm like, why am I sharing any of this? Like, people have to know about therapy by now. And you're getting feedback from people that are still not aware of therapy, of the, like, the reality of therapy. You're saying they're still comparing it to like what they're seeing in movies and stuff like that. And it just, you know, hearing that and, you know, seeing what you guys are doing, not only do I feel like 
the mental health advocacy is being supported. Who would think like a Disney t-shirt company would also be like a group of mental health advocates? Like that's something that we need to be seeing. And like, that's amazing that you're doing that because I think that it's so important. And I base my own business off of the fact that, you know, we can talk about Disney and mental health. Like these things do not need to be separated. Mental health is whether you like it or not, part of every single aspect of your life. I try very hard to find things where mental health does not come into play. And it's like almost impossible because it's part of existence is everything that we do. It affects everything that we do. When your mental health is not in a good place, like it affects how you move through the world. And I think one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk to you about this is what I mentioned in the beginning is the fact that I can't ignore the fact that you're a man who cares about mental health. And I personally do not find that very often in my life. In my own experiences, to be completely honest, men have been at the root of a lot of what has caused my mental health frustration. And so I just want to know, how do you move through the world as a man who cares about mental health? Are you met with like, oh, is this guy serious? Or like, do you ever have people who, you know, make fun of the fact that you care about mental health in relation to the fact that you're a male? Are you ever met with you know, any sort of discourse in terms of like, it's hard to talk about because sometimes I'm like, why does it matter in terms of gender? But the reality of the situation is like disproportionately, I am sure if I speak to any woman, they can talk about when a man has been at the center of something that has caused them mental frustration. So what is it like to move through the world as a man who actually cares about their mental health? What is it like when you interact with women? What is it like when you interact with other men? Like, what are you finding in terms of that? So I guess aside from like my family being like really poor for a really long time, I have like an immense amount of privilege. And so like why I don't think this is like a very hot answer, like very glamorous is like, I have had the luxury of being able to just like literally do whatever I want and be rewarded for it. I was able to like move out of my house when I was 16, 17. I was financially as, you know, whether I stayed home or went out and lived with a friend, like it was going to be the same no matter what. And so like aside from that, it was like, you know, I went out and started doing music and then like very quickly like found my footing and it was like, okay, like I've been rewarded for that. And it was like just years of me just like experimenting with whatever things I was doing. It was like music and it was touring and then it was t-shirts and it was like, it always kind of worked out for me. And so like, I feel like I was never really challenged the way that other people are when they want to express themselves and live the way they want to live. And so for me, there was never anything telling me not to do exactly what I felt like doing or like, you know, expressing myself exactly how I wanted to express myself. So when it came to like, or when it comes to like the mental health stuff, it was really the same thing. Like it was never something I thought about. It came very natural. And like, you know, I think a lot of it for me is like also the privilege of like my network. It's like, I've attracted so many people who like really do value the same things that I value that like there aren't a ton of people around me, I think, who would ever like present any, you know, abrasion to how I go about like being so vocal about stuff like this. Um, I mean, I would say literally in my entire life, I don't think I've ever had one negative interaction where the root of it was like my approach to being very vocal about like mental health. 
you know, and I think a part of that is even when it's, when I'm interacting with people who like maybe don't care the way I do, or they just don't see the value in it. It's like at the end of the day, like people want to feel better, right? Like people want to be, you know, whether they think about therapy or not, everyone's got something they're going through. Everyone has something wrong with them and everyone wants to feel better. So I think it would be like difficult for me to find someone who would even be like, what you're doing is so whack. Anyone who has no issues understands the value of taking care of yourselves. And that's how you get to a point of having fewer issues. And anyone with issues like wants to have less issues. So no, I mean, like, I don't think ever in my life I've really had any sort of run in or abrasion or like friction with my approach to talking about my feelings with like everyone. And I think that's like almost part of like who I am too. It was like, you know, I think back to like how I was when I was growing up in like my early twenties. And it was like, uh, my life is now still, but was like, before I even realized it was so full of like such deep connections with like a lot of guys who were all, you know, and maybe it's just because we were all in music always a lot of vulnerable dudes like and not the kind of band guys you hear about like in the music industry like we were all like none of us were popular like we all just played music in our houses but we always had such deep connections and like we were always like very vulnerable with each other which i guess is i didn't even realize this that's just like another privilege i've had which has given me like the gold the yellow brick road to like never even thinking twice that the way i am isn't totally normal yeah, that's so weird. I, th uh, this is so interesting because I'm like I'm on the other end of this computer screen. I'm like going through like years and years of history, like trying to think of how to answer your question. But it's just like I keep realizing like I've always had vulnerable people around me. Like I don't know if it's because if I ever ran into someone who was closed off or not into that, like maybe I just didn't jive with them and I never pursued relationships with people like that like maybe that was it but yeah i mean dang to get back to your question i really got to say like i've had the easiest path pretty much imaginable when it comes to really being who i want to be in every way obviously but specifically being able to talk about my mental health being able to talk about vulnerability being able to talk about like connection with other humans yeah, I mean, that you're like saying like, this isn't going to be a good answer, but you've brought up a huge point that you and you acknowledge that you have been able to move through life this way because you have an immense amount of privilege as a white man and or just in general with the way that you've experienced life. There's privileges that you have come across. And like as a woman, like there are a lot of roadblocks in my life that I've experienced Sometimes at the hands of a man, sometimes at the hands of myself, sometimes just in the way that women are expected to live. I also love that you brought up the fact that you have surrounded yourself or have had the ability to surround yourself with other vulnerable men. Because one of the things that I also have noticed about you and that I think is really cool is how open you are about, yeah, like I have all these like really close male friends and like the platonic male friendship and how much you cherish your friends and how... And and again, another thing that you're open about that I have not experienced in my life. And just it's I mean, it's great to hear that you have had those really good experiences and you're sharing you're willing to like share them with the world. You know, like I think that that's 
one of the ways that when you acknowledge your privilege, you take it into like you, how do I, how do I do better? How can I lift other people up? How can I support other people? Like that's a huge important part of like not being performative and not taking your privilege for granted. And so, you know, again, really appreciative of you sharing it because I don't hear stuff like this. I have not heard stuff like this very often in my life. I grew up in a way where, you know, you had to like wade through all of the insults to be like, oh yeah, that person actually does love me. They're just like going the route of making fun of me and tearing me down and thinking that it's funny and oh, but they actually, okay, they do love me and that's the way that they're showing it, but it's confusing. When you said about oversharing, you know, I've been met with so many like people who want me to just be quiet and calm down and not share. I have been met with negativity when I overshare. And I mean, it's just great that even if somebody says, you know, that you're oversharing or that or whatever, you continue to do it because you see the value in it. And the importance of advocating for mental health is more important than what somebody else has to say about what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. If someone told me like that what I was doing, there was like something wrong with it. Like, I don't even know how I process that. I would just dip, I guess. I would just be like, I'm going to go find someone who does want to hear about this or that does want to like connect with me and share. Yeah. And it's clear that those people are out there. I think I need to like take a note from your book and maybe just stop trying to give myself to people that are not listening and find the people that are listening. Start over. Yeah. Dump them. Like that's how I feel. Like life's too short. Like that's one thing for me. Life is way too short. If I die tomorrow, it's like I always think like that's a big thing for me. It's like thinking about death a lot. Would I be happy that I like dedicated my last day to this person? And if the answer is no, like, what am I doing? Yeah, that can be applied to a lot of things, I think. So do you have anything else? Any other closing remarks that you want to any other wisdom that you want to offer to the good people? Any other men out there that are afraid to talk about their feelings? Okay, here it is. I think I got it. It is cool to give a shit. If you care about this, like, I feel like more commonly, if I understand my audience well enough, it's like people that you know, maybe don't take this as seriously as you wish they did. I think like the sequence of this working, like on a very large scale for our culture is exposure, which is like these conversations, like beginning to expose people to these conversations and showing them that this is normal. This is not a weird conversation we're having. Like, this is something that everyone should be talking about. And then it goes to like infection, which is like, you know what I said earlier, like no one wants to feel like shit. Like no one wants to like not work through their issues. People only don't work through their issues because they don't know how to. There is like a startup cost of stuff like that. But I think like once you're exposed to these kinds of conversations and other examples of relationships that are healthy in this way, like I believe that's where it catches on. And it's like, I see it in my friends' friends. You know, like it starts with me. And then it's something that I've built with all my friends and the people that I care about. But now I'm watching it go from them to their other friend groups. And it's like, I'm seeing like these conversations really like start infecting and spreading very quickly. Because again, it's like, no one wants to feel bad. Like no one wants to feel like the things they're feeling aren't right or that they can't talk about it. As a human, you want to connect with other people and you want to talk about things. You know, I think if you're looking to get someone into your space... I really think starting with like small exposures, like conversations like this, like, 
yeah, I think just getting, you know, the people around you to start caring and talking, I think that is like where the shift in the world really begins. Kind of one person at a time to one group at a time, and then one group spreads it to another group. And yeah, I guess from there, like everyone has their own journey and everyone has their own way of doing things. Some people journal, some people just go to therapy. I do everything. Like I would say the biggest piece of my mental health stuff is philosophy. Therapy too. I almost said therapy, but philosophy is what I was meaning to say. I study Stoic philosophy like every day, hours a day, just reading and learning about like the greatest people in history who just knew how to handle themselves. And like mental health is like such a big part of that without it ever really being explicitly said because they were like the Romans and these conversations didn't exist back then. But so, yeah, I mean, all that to say, you really, you know, once you expose someone to these kinds of things and get them talking about it, you know, everyone's got to find their footing in their own way of doing it and what works best for them. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it really helps everyone. It helps your circle. It helps you be more connected, builds deeper connections with the people around you. Yeah. I think the next Lost Bro shirt should be it's cool to give a shit. Or the next therapy live shirt. That was great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that'll have to be a therapy live shirt. I don't know if Lost Bros. I've been trying to do bad words on Lost Bros, but it, that'll never. We're too like family friendly, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with me. I'm so grateful that we connected and that you were willing to have this conversation. And also the fact that you stated that like people should be more willing to have these conversations because you know that's my line that's what I'm always saying like that's the reason I do the show so thank you so much for sharing everything thank you thanks for having me that was kind of cathartic I came into this knowing at the end of it I would feel better I'll have discovered something about myself that was worth discovering and I would feel good and I feel great I hope when someone else listens to this they find something that makes them realize something good that's literally, you're taking all my lines. These are all my closing thoughts. <laughs> Here, I'll let you wrap it up so I don't take any more. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be simply the shock of hearing that there are men out there who want to talk about their feelings or maybe some things that you hadn't considered about taking care of your own mental health and encouraging those around you to do the same. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Don't let anyone convince you that you shouldn't talk about your feelings. They are valid and they are important and sharing your feelings might help another person have the courage to share theirs. I want to specifically highlight how important it was that Cody admitted how easy he has had it and how gravely important it is to remember that not everyone does. And that is exactly why we need to keep opening these doors and having these conversations and asking people how they're doing. Yes, it's scary. It's hard. It may feel weird, but it's worth it to make these tiny steps to change the culture around mental health in a real way. Take it into your work, into your friend groups, into your life. And if you're able to invest in helping marginalized groups who don't have access to care, there is no moment where this is not of importance or does not need visibility. Guys out there, this is possible. Stop putting it on hold or shoving it to the side. I really hope that more men are able to find the help that they need and the support that makes talking about your feelings a positive experience. And to all of us who have a man in our life that we love, ask them how they're doing today. Just give it a try. 
Thanks again to Cody for being with us. You're really using your platform for some very important stuff. And I'm so grateful to have gotten to talk to you and to know you. Alrighty then, it is time for the end. If you want to stay up to date with episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Who Knows Pod. We are also on Facebook at Who Knows. You can visit our website at WhoKnowsPod.com. And if you want to send us any questions, comments, or just say hi, email us at Taylor at WhoKnowsPod.com. That's me. We feature pets and plants on our Instagram story every day. We release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your pet or plant, child send it over and we will feature them on the story email dm message in a bottle any way you get it to us is great uh if you'd like to show support for the show there are so many ways to do so leave us a review on apple Podcasts, join our patreon or donate to us on coffee all of it helps us to grow in so many ways and make the show better and better so please do it i would really love it it would mean a lot to me and i'll give you a shout out on the show which i also love to do i want to say woo you're the best Woo! i had to go way back from the mic for that one because i'm feeling all the feelings this was a big one my mind is reeling kind of sounds like i'm starting a song uh wouldn't be surprised it's me <laughs> but for real i'm just so glad to be doing this work Thank you so much for being a part of it in every and any way that you are. I couldn't do it without you. Really couldn't. And as always, who knows who's out there, but I love you. And thanks for listening. This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich. Edited by Kirsten Bowman. Our music is written and performed by the Isaac Kailoff Project. Oh, I have to burp. That was weak. Weak, 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 weak.